1: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 929 FM ESPN. Jeff
2: Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphis and also hosts the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 929 FM ESPN, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, what are you up to?
3: Well, you know, I'm reeling from another grizzly loss. Really, just you know, trying to pick myself up. Beside yourself, realize that the was sun will come up tomorrow, and uh, you know, there's another day. It's not. It's not what you do when you're knocked down. You know, it's it's not what that doesn't matter if you're knocked down. It matters whether you get back up. And yeah. so I'm just telling myself, you know, all these all these things after. Losing to the uh, the hated clippers.
2: Yeah, I told I told folks if they uh if they're if they're diehard Grizzlies fans we can get down to old Dominic, they can get a bottle, drown the sorrows away. But uh I I hope you don't need to do that after this loss. We don't need to do that, do you?
3: Well, no. No. I'm uh you know, I I was heartened a little. Uh, I mean Jake Lavy's got some shots off. Yeah, making a lot of them, but he's got some shots off, so that's good, I guess. Uh, he's, he's
2: been more, I mean, since that first game,
3: he's been relatively
2: consistent. It hadn't been over, like he hadn't been blown better. us he's away. Been
3: better Not breakthrough good, but eh, not that you don't want to give up on him. I think that's where I am. Uh, Roddy wasn't very good today. He hasn't been very good. He's, he's I been did strong. like my favorite, my, he was good in the first game, I think, right? He had yes. one good game. Uh, Gigi, what I do really like about Gigi is that he had another game with no assists, and so uh, so this is over the course of I think six games now. Is that right? Yeah. That he's played in, I think so. One assist. <laughs> that's, that's that's fantastic.
2: And and I, mean, I love I love he was he was not shying away from putting up his shots today. 0 for seven from uh, he, three.
3: He he can get shots, man. He is going to, and the, the, you know this. Is, I, I I still would pick him. I'm not. I'm 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 enjoying it. It's fun, but. Um, you know he'll be great uh, for the hustle, and he's going to get a lot of shots up for the hustle, and he's going to be. I mean, he's certainly a, he is a ball of clay, but uh, he's a ball of clay and get some shots up, and uh, and it is sort of remarkable though. As much as he has the ball in his hands, that he's got one assist over the course of his uh, six games, and was, yeah, was hoisting him again. It's a G League God. I mean, today.
2: that's a, that's, a, that's a that's a summer league God. That's what we yeah, that's what we love and appreciate God. about it.
3: Absolutely right. And listen, there's not a lot else on. So, um, so there you go. I mean, we got Big Twelve Media Days. We got all star. There, 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 there's See, enough in sports right now. I, but, I, I, I but will anyway, s- I'm devastated. We, yeah, uh-huh. we,
2: we we opened the show on this, and I did overreaction, not an overreaction. about it. what do you think? Since they left Salt Lake City, there's been nothing really to learn about new about this this summer league team. I mean, it's just sort of been business as
3: usual. I mean, I, I I don't think anything new. Ha- has particularly been learned now i don't think it, it, it I rule out the possibility it's like if Laravia, for example, had gone for thirty eight today that, right, that and, would have been new yes yeah like i don't i don 't think there's like nothing to be learned I think with the performances that we're having. Are consistent what we're seeing are fundamentally consistent with the performances that we've seen, and so therefore it doesn't feel like there's anything new. You know, uh, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. puts up numbers. We don't know how it's going to work in the NBA, so there's nothing. We, well, we know he can. We know he can dominate the G League, right? We know he, we we know he can. He can put up huge numbers against inferior opponents. So it doesn't feel like there's anything there to be learned. Um, LaRavia and Roddy, honestly, those are two who you wanted them to look really good because it was their second year and they've looked either meh or not so good or, you know, had their moments. And so, so I'm open to the possibility, you know, there's always something new to be learned if they do something different. But it doesn't really appear that they're doing much different. Although LaRavia looks more aggressive than he has, I mean, he got about eleven follow shots, but like he's been, yep. he's been more aggressive, and so I think that incremental. But I think that's promising.
2: Um, Kenneth Lofton Jr. though is the story, and he's been consistently good. He had twenty four and ten today, nine for twelve from the field. When we and they gave him an active roster spot, four years, $7 dollars. Do you think he'll be actually sort of in that, in that front-court rotation, or is there more that you want to learn on Kenneth Lofton Jr. and his fit with the Grizzlies?
3: Well, I think, I think there's, it's unclear how much of an opportunity there will be. I mean, you've got – if Steven Adams is healthy, uh, Jaron Jackson is healthy, uh, you've got Tillman – and you've got Obama. They're yeah. all ahead of him in the rotation. That's four bigs. That's all you need. Um, and so now could he come in and training camp and outplay, uh, you know, and, and and in one way or another outplay Tillman and or Obama. And so he gets ahead of those guys in minutes. Sure. That's possible. Um, could one of the, could, there will be injuries, you know that, of one form or another. Yep. Even stipulating that Steven Adams comes back healthy, I presume there will be injuries, and so he'll get an opportunity. So he'll, I think there's no question he'll get an opportunity, opportunities along the way. But if, I were, if, if I'm stipulating good health on the part of those four bigs um, for the opener, do I think he will be part of the rotation for the opener? No. Uh, the the odds would be no, don't you think? I mean, don't you think all four of those players are ahead of him in the yes, yeah, order right
2: it, now? Like, and, and the question would be, is he going to get reserved five minutes ahead of Xavier Tillman? I'd say no. The thing is, I've been saying this, I've been beating this
3: drum. No, the past he's not. He's not ahead of Tillman. He's not. No, 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 he's not.
2: But yeah. I, I, I have been, I've been beating this drum because people see like all of the scoring and the trail threes and how good he is offensively. He's got to morph more into Xavier Tillman. And switchability, defense, setting screens—he's got to do that if he wants to ever be a full rotational piece for the Grizzlies. It's not about the mesmerizing scoring because it, it is mesmerizing. It's really cool to see what he's able to accomplish, but that's not what is going to make him a, a rotational player in the NBA for really any franchise. Seemingly,
3: I mean, I think I think the balance between—listen—he's never going to be Xavier Tillman, and the and and. In the end, it's about, you know, do, do your strengths outweigh your negatives, right? And so his strengths, uh, his offensive strengths will always be uh, stronger, it seems to me, than Tillman's offensive strengths. And I think his defensive weaknesses will always be weaker. The question is, can he, can he become a credible defensive player um, such that you can afford to live with his his offensive strength. Tillman is a role player. Who he has? A, he has a role player skills, right? Yes. Skill set. You plug him in. He doesn't need the ball. He's going to fit in. He's going to fit in around your stars and just play his role, as we've seen him do. That's what role players do. Kendall Lawson Jr. has a star skill set, right? Like so. If like, for, for, in order for him to be effective he's got to be the one scoring. He's not going to be the one, you know, defending. And he can't rebound, actually, although he's been not as good rebounding this summer as I would have wanted. But, um, you know, and so it's a little different when you have – he doesn't have a role-player skill set. He's got a star skill set, yes. a guy, you know, who a focal point <laughs> skill set. And yet is he going to – he will be the focal point of your G League team, right? You'll be feeding him the ball in the G League team. But if you've got John Morant and Desmond Bain and Jared Jackson Jr., He's not going to be the offensive focal point of the Grizzlies. And so it's a little trickier for him. Um, I, I, but I think you, we can acknowledge that, uh, that, you know, if he can become a credible defender, and that's, I think, a substantial question, that his offensive gifts are considerable and could be useful. Yes. And, in fact, it would be nice to have a big who can stretch the floor. Um, Brandon Clark can't stretch the floor, Steven Adams can't stretch the floor. So if he can and he and he looked like he has hitting the trailing threes this summer, if he can get so he can he can spread the floor, that is something useful that the Grizzlies really don't have amongst I mean Santi Obama can, but um you know, and and, and Jaron can, but you can use another big who can stretch the floor. And, and that would be useful if the defense can can become credible.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's why they gave him a roster spot <laughs> is what he's able to do offensively. I mean, that's why that's why they paid him money. Talking with Jeff Calkins, at Jeff underscore Calkins on Twitter. NBA Board of Governors approved two new gameplay changes. I like the second coach's challenge awarded if the first challenge is successful. That was a no-brainer. I mean, I, I think we can both agree on that. The in-game penalty for flops resulting in a technical foul free throw. I am uh, – I, I, at, the very, at the very least, at the very most, lukewarm on it. Um, wh- wh- where are you at on it? We've seen a little bit of it in the summer league. Jake LaRavia had the first one on Jaden Shackelford where he sort of hit him in the face. There was a little bit of, uh, embellishing, of uh, ab- embellishing of the contact from uh, Jaden Shackelford and it led to a technical free throw for the Grizzlies. So uh, it worked out for, for uh, the Grizzlies in that matter. But are you, I, I'm terrified by where this, where this could go. I like the effort, but I don't know if the application is going to equal the effort.
3: Well, like you first to take the other one. I, I that, that one seems obvious to me. Of course, if you have a successful challenge, you yes. shouldn't lose your challenge. It, it always seemed insane to me. Like, in fact, at first one when the rule was implemented, like this has to be wrong. Like you can't possibly, you, you can't possibly lose your challenge. If, if you challenge correctly, that, 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 makes no sense to me whatsoever so I'm glad they fixed that uh yeah the flopping one I'm not terrified I'm terrified of lots of things but but not this but um (laughs) but um but I I think it, it it has not been called much honestly and and it's you know so highly subjective Right. I I think that's the problem with it. It's so highly subjective. What's a flop? What's embellishment? What's whatever? And so, you know, will they call it consistently? Will they call it every time? Are you going to be outraged because at some critical moment they do call it? Like, I think there's a lot of potential for, let's say, inconsistent application of this particular rule.
2: Yeah, it it feels like the pass interference review in the NFL, which they got rid of after one year. It was just sort of a trial. But I just – I I also think on top of that, something that's not being discussed as much, you're, you're – do you get the sense? It's kind of unteaching a lot of what these guys have been taught on the defensive end growing up through, you know, high school, college, AAU, the whole nine yards. Like, they've been taught to embellish the contact they get, and that could lead to a technical foul now in the NBA.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't mind if that – I don't mind if you, if those people have to be untaught. I don't need <laughs> acting as part of my – you know, I, that, that part I don't – I don't. I don't mind, um, but uh, and and people should be should be able to adjust. I mean, there are some truly hilarious flops. Yes, one hundred percent. And
2: I think those need to be penalized. But I just I I feel like there will be more penalized than just the LeBron falling all over the place with no contact.
3: Yeah, I, I like I said. I think there's a I think there's a danger of inconsistent application.
2: Yeah. Now, um, judge ruled today that John Morant's lawyers can proceed now with their argument. That John Morant was acting in self-defense and the Stand Your Ground law and his punch against Josh Wallaway. So this has gone from uh, check ball to fight to civil litigation to countersuit to um, the Stand Your Ground law to coming into question. Issue. Yes. Uh, to a
1: constitutional <laughs> issue. Yes. To
2: a constitutional issue. I mean, crazy. I am I'm amazed. I'm amazed, Jeff. I don't I don't I don't really have the words for it. I just I, I hope it gets in the rear view. It looks like in October
3: will be the next hearing on it, though. Um. It 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 did not surprise me at all that um, that they that they ruled that he did properly invoke the stand your ground law. Um, the the thing that to me and I, I really haven't dived into this at all. Normally in a self defense law in a in, in when you're when you're saying something is because of self defense, there's elements that you have to to prove that you apart from the constitutionality of it you have to prove that you felt imminent danger for example often yes. right you have to prove that your that the that the force you used was proportional in other words if someone takes a swing at you you're not usually allowed to take a howitzer out and blow a hole in them right like that's not that's not It's weird to me, and I, I, don't, I just sort of followed this loosely. It's weird to me that we're debating now the constitutionality of it, and I don't think anyone expected it. I don't think anyone thought that, that this lawsuit about a fight, let's be honest, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a purely opportunistic lawsuit yes. trying, to, trying to get a really rich dude to cough up some money um, that all of a sudden this has become we're going to be debating the constitutionality of the stand your ground law to begin with i, I, I literally i don't think anyone involved in the in the in, in, in either side of this lawsuit expected this is where we would go but what it means now is is they have to brief that issue they have to argue that issue they have to whatever else and yes we're going to have a big pause while we uh people get ready to argue this point um so it's just going to be dragged out further and further and further and i really i mean it's not a, it's not it, this is not a, a novel n- novel thought but it sure would be nice if it settles the truth of the matter is even the people covering this a little inside baseball here yes um, no i know where you're going even the people covering this like no one really wants to, it's just not that important you know like it's just it's a fight it's just not that important there are important things in memphis that happen uh, that happen all the time. Um, but this particular lawsuit, ticky-tack lawsuit over a stupid fight, it's just not that important. And so I don't know about it, is it the CA? like we're, But you sort of got to cover it because it's John Morant and now there's of a constitutional issue. Nobody really wants to be covering it. Like, we're all kind of over it. It's sort of, like, oh my God, is this really? And yet you have to cover it because it's, the Ja Morant lawsuit, and yep. you know, it's—I mean, if you look at the front page of ESPN, it's—it's it's one of the headlines on the front page of ESPN.com, and so you sort of have to cover it. But I think everyone's over it. It—and it, it, there are even things about Ja Morant that that really matter, like what's his recovery like, and what's his mindset, and what's his like. But this stupid ass fight, I—I wonder—care less about it.
2: I wonder when Ja sort of comes to, I'm not going to say comes to the census, but sort of like when when it comes to paying lawyer fees versus just settling and getting it behind you, you wonder when that conversation starts to come up. It
3: also depends on is the other side being reasonable? Like, you know, I I mean,
0: it
2: doesn't
3: seem like they are, right? You would think there is a number that would make this go away. And. But it's possible that the other side is saying, you know, I want twenty million bucks or something. I mean, you know, whatever. I think the law there is a there is a number in the lawsuit, right? I think there is a number in the lawsuit, and yeah,
2: it's a big number. Um,
3: and so, yes, it, it, I I can't tell you because I don't know what the settlement negotiations right. have been like. Whether it's Ja hasn't come to his senses, or whether it's um, Joshua Holloway's family is wildly overreaching. But one of those things seems to be true, and you wish they could get to mediation, settle this damn thing, and be done with it.
2: And I haven't asked you about this, but could you make sense of Devontae Pack getting a misdemeanor a year out from the original situation? No. I mean, I couldn't make sense of that at all. That, 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 that seemingly never happens.
3: I don't know what, what um, additional evidence um, supposedly uh, came to light. That persuaded them. I think that would be, t- to me, the most obvious explanation would be that um, whether it's in the course of the de- depositions or otherwise, um, additional evidence comes to light that persuades them to um, to to just to, to you know point their finger at Devante Pack. And so that 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 strikes me as as the most logical explanation. But who knows? We may hear about uh, the, the, the reason for it at some point.
2: Last couple of things for you. What was your enjoyability scale on MLB All-Star uh, Week, weekend, week, whatever you want to call it, the All-Star game <laughs> Surprisingly in
3: good. Okay. Surprisingly good, yeah. I like that. I like the – uniform. Uh, the
2: NL uh, uniforms suck, though. I will the, say the that. uniforms,
3: awful. Uh, uniforms, awful. Mic'd up stuff was good. Hey. Uh, the- not much. Not like much.
2: It. Person. Listen, I'm fine with the mic'd up stuff. Like they're I trying. They tr- they've been trying that for a while. The, the per.
3: Not a lot of personality, though. That's nothing no. new. The uh, you know two local two local guys, right? Uh, uh, one hitting the ball to the other. Well, that was nice. That was fun. Um, and I liked the sell the team chance in the fifth <laughs> inning. The Seattle fans telling the Oakland owner to sell the team. That was good. So fans sticking up for fans, I think, honestly, this is a deal where at some point your expectations become so low for something, and we've dismissed all all-star extravaganzas as a waste of time. Uh, perfectly entertaining, I thought, the last two nights.
2: Yeah, and then uh, Shohei, I, I did find it funny. You're at, a, you're at a, right. a division rival's place, and he just gets the biggest standing ovation you could ovation. imagine.
3: Yeah, come to Seattle. Uh, come to Seattle. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna break some news for you here. Okay. He's not going to Seattle. But
2: <laughs> well, I mean, he's, I, but by he's the going tr- to L.A. or New York or St. Louis. St. Louis. Why not? Come on. St. Louis. Anybody with me?
3: I'm dubious. No, I'm, I'm dubious. I'm dubious. <laughs> I'm dubious. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you should have seen what Connor just. He just. Uh, he just gave me a. a salutation of sorts mm. when, I, when I mentioned St. Louis. It was also hard as a St. Louis Cardinals fan to watch that first inning. Zach Gallen starting for the NL. Right. Adoles Garcia and Randy Rosarena having unbelievable right. plays in the outfield. Unbelievable I, plays in the outfield. Two
3: hurts, former that, Redbirds. It, it, it two, form, two former Redbirds. Uh, first two outs. Yeah, it was, that was damn impressive.
2: That hurts my soul. That hurts my soul to see. Now, uh, I want to bring this up to before I let you go. Have you seen the – so Northwestern, I want to give Northwestern's student journalists – a whole lot of credit for what they've done through the Pat Fitzgerald hazing uh, incident. They're they're the reason that ultimately the mm-hmm. that seemingly uh, the, the firing yeah. the firing was reached. But did you see today that one of their student journalists went out and uh, did some digging on Ed Orgeron to Northwestern? That's is that really the genius idea we're hatching now? So what does that mean? He did some digging on it? He, 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 went, he went to ask uh, Ed Orgeron and his people about if he'd be interested in Northwestern. Ed Orgeron oh. says, I'd be interested, but they haven't reached out to me. Of course they haven't reached out to you.
3: I'll be honest. Ed Orgeron, not really the the Northwestern type. <laughs> no, no. Let's you be clear. <laughs> right. Ed Orgeron, he is, he's, like, he, he, he is a proven interim coach. He's, so, he, right? is he, is, interim he is
2: America's interim coach, yes.
3: He is a proven interim coach, and so if you did it from a perspective of humor, um, I could understand that. It was like, a serious let's go, article. Let's go ask America's interim coach. But um, but no. I mean, it is a little, like we talked about this yesterday. Now, they have a bunch of coaches who are new, defensive coordinators new from, I think, from North Dakota or somewhere, right? So, um, but it is a little weird when the whole problem is a cultural issue of, <laughs> you know, it's a little weird to keep all the assistants. It's just a little weird yes, to do it that. Is. And then to bring but, it, but to um, bring in
2: Ed Orgeron, the he, yeah, perfect guy oh, no, to bring
3: you through not, a scandal. I mean, huh? yes, that that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. That would be absolutely. Can you imagine Ed Orgeron right there <laughs> on the shores of the on the shores of Lake Michigan at Northwestern?
2: Oh yeah. Could you imagine him? This is this is what I was imagining. Him talking to the higher ups at the at at, at Northwestern at about at his Northwestern. lack of ability to recruit. In that moment, but, yeah. because of that education,
3: know, it, it would be entertaining it would be yeah. entertaining. Hey listen, there were the, there were those people who thought that when Nick Saban went to LSU that how does a Yankee coach, you know, from Michigan State, how does he succeed so at LSU? The opposite. And he did. There were people who actually wondered how a carpetbagger like John Calipari could come to Memphis. He's a fast-talking Yankee. so maybe the opposite would work. Maybe you could send Ed Orgeron Ed Orgeron in the big city, that would be just great. Ed Orgeron in the big city. I think
2: there's also the point about Ed Orgeron just not being that good of an actual head coach. And uh, most of his success comes from assistants and talent. He can get talent. There's no doubt about it. He can recruit his ass off.
3: So I do that. wonder if he could recruit to Northwestern. <laughs> no, I mean that's. I think he'd recruit better than other guys. I guess. Well, could he recruit? Could he get anyone in? That's the question. No, like I do not. think I'm not. Not, I'm not as not pre- normal recruiting base. I'm not pretending that that Northwestern standards for football players are the same that they are for the rest of the student body. But I do think, also go out on a big limb here. I think they're higher than they are for <laughs> LSU football players. <laughs> I
2: think. I think you're right. That, you know. You I, know I've I've seen people comment on that job. Let's remove the current situation. And let's say we were two or three years down the road, which I know we can't in the in, in, in just where we're at with that hazing scandal and guys probably hopping in the portal in the next 30 days. But what do you think about the
3: Northwestern job? Like it, good, okay bad, job. middle? Here's the, here's the thing. Well, the, the, the best thing about the Northwestern job. You're going to get paid. That's really yes. the best thing. It's in the big – yeah, uh – that's is making more than $5 million a year. So you're going to get paid. So that's great. Big Ten going to get paid. Uh, the other good thing about another good thing is facilities unbelievable. Like the, yes. the practice facility on that Lake thing Michigan is, sweet. is incredible. That awesome. And they're, they're talking about who knows what will happen now, an $800 million remake of the actual field. So like that would be remarkable as well. The third thing, low bar like expectations are not, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to win the big 10. You're not even supposed to win many big 10 games, just be credible and it's considered successful. So those are the good things. Um, The bad things are, you know, you you, getting kids in to begin with. It's even worse now in the era of the transfer portal. The big 10 is no longer, you've been in the weaker division of the big 10 and that's going away. And so you don't have that advantage anymore. You know, it's being it's 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 being at it's like being at Vanderbilt or at Duke or Northwest Western or at Stanford. It's the quote unquote academic school um, in in a in a conference of these big state schools. And you have a smaller fan, you have a smaller alumni base, and you have higher academic standards.
2: Yeah, uh, awesome. like with Vandy, what are they, they've had five coaches since 2000. I feel like that's where we're headed with Northwestern, though. <laughs> Sort of somewhat of a revolving door, and but they stay, they tend to stick by their coaches, though. Like the, those those uh, academic institutions, they stick by their coaches as long as it's not one in eleven two years in a row. That's
3: the thing. If you're if you're as long as you're okay, you can have a long tenure there. David Shaw did obviously um, at Stanford. He had some some real success there. Um, you know, uh, I, we know what's happened at Northwestern. He's been there for a very long time. Um, David Cutcliffe had a good, long, yep. nice, decent run at Duke. Duke. And so, yeah, you, you all you have to do is be mediocre. Yeah. It's just – it's, even, it's he, and, and I think it's harder. At, at Vanderbilt, you're also, by the way, you have to be mediocre in the Big Ten, which is easier than being mediocre in the SEC. Like in the SEC, yeah. good luck with that at Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. It, 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 in the Big Ten, you do get to play – you know you play Indiana, you play Purdue, you play like you, Minnesota, you play good teams, but not teams that you can't beat occasionally
2: and like the way I see it, worse comes to worse: three years of bad of of, of bad football, you still get paid what three, four million dollars a year and get
3: to go move on with your life, go back to Absolutely. being a assistant coach.
2: There are worse yeah. things in the world than that.
3: So. No, make four million bucks for, for and you'll get You'll get a four, you'll certainly get a four right? well, year deal, right?
1: but even
2: yeah, yeah, and you'd get paid whatever's left on your contract. But even if you're bad, you get three years and four million bucks a year. That's that's fine. I think some most, a lot of coaches, especially trying to get into the game, yeah, you're to, gonna
3: get, yeah, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get that. Now the question is, is if you are Dave Clawson at Wake, do you go do that? If you're I the head know. coach, you know, and and that's. You know, one of the, one of the issues, it's very clear. If you are someone who's otherwise not going to get a head coaching job, well, then you take it because it's your chance for the money. Right. But if you are, uh, if you are a successful head coach, whether it's at um, Duke or at Kansas or at Wake or the, or Tulane, I'm looking at places where there are candidates who've been mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, Do you trade that for Northwestern?
2: Yeah, probably not. And the, well, the current Northwestern. Too. How about Willie
3: That's, Fitz? How about Willie Fitz? Though, how about like? Wouldn't you want to maybe you get get a lot more money at, at at Northwestern than you do at Tulane? Now you're gonna yeah, you have a, but you have to at Tulane.
2: But you have to you have to in the current situation because I've seen a lot of people talk about it being a good job because of the the expectation game. But like you do have to take into consideration what's happening right now, and uh, the, oh, right whole, now, the whole the whole roster is going to turn you're
3: over. The guy, right. yeah, and and everyone loves him. It's yes. a little bit like following Huggins at Cincinnati, right? It, like, and it, it,
2: it kind of stinks because he really was like, if you made a Northwestern football coach on field and recruiting in a lab, well, he was that it. would be Pat he Fitzgerald.
3: Was yep, that was the guy. Took well, him to the Rose Bowl, like yeah, he was it. Like yep. it, it makes
2: yeah, it's too bad. No question. Well, Jeff, appreciate it. Thanks for hopping yeah. on. That's Jeff Calkins, Daily Memphian columnist. Find all of his work at dot com and radio work nine to eleven right here on ninety two nine FM ESPN with the Jeff Calkins Show. Oxbow is a family-owned and operated retail store that's been making waves in Memphis and East Memphis for over a decade. They have Memphis-themed gifts and tees, the best vintage T-shirts and shirts that you can find for your Grizzlies and your Tigers apparel. But I also want to point you in the direction we're less than a month out from the tournament, from our golf stop, PGA Tour stop at TBC Southland. Get over one-of-a-kind Hush Y'all Collection at Oxbow. 964 June Road is where you can find them. Two-story storefront, beautiful, all of the, the staff is going to greet you friendly, and they're going to show you exactly what you want to find. If you want to find that Hush Y'all collection, they will put you, uh, they'll, they'll point, that, uh, point you in that direction. They have hats. They have shirts. They have polos in that Hush Y'all collection. Go check that out. But they also have vintage vinyl for music lovers, sports memorabilia for diehard fans, hunting in outdoor gear for the adventurous souls. They have your SEC favorites, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, you name it, they have it. Uh, their top summer brands that they want me to point you in the direction of are the genteel apparel and free fly. Good for the golf course, good for looking casual out with friends. Also, Fair Harbor, Duckhead, Mizzen and Maine. Check out all of that 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road behind the Amaco Station. And also, you need to go to their online store. You can ship anywhere, anything on their online store, anywhere in the USA. Go to shopoxpo.com. Again, that's shopoxpo.com. And when you go to check out, I'll give you 20% off right here. Put in my promo code, The Gabe Show. All caps, one word, G A B E, The Gabe Show. You'll get 20% off your order at shopoxbow.com. So whether you're searching for that perfect outfit, unique gifts, the vintage vinyl, the sports memorabilia, the hunting and outdoor essentials, Oxbow has you covered. Shop local, shop Oxbow. More of The Gabe Coon Show coming up right after these messages right here on 929 FM. Yes.
1: Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. I do have to laugh at this one more time with you, Connor. We do have Northwestern, Daily Northwestern, one of their student journalists talking about Ed Orgeron would have interest in the Northwestern vacancy, but Northwestern has to reach out to him. I saw this as a joke originally yesterday on Twitter, talking about him being America's interim coach. And I get all that. I mean, he, he's been an interim everywhere he's been. But I don't know why, why. Why did the student newspaper give air to this? When we're talking about a hazing scandal and scandal, you think that Ed Orgeron's a guy to take you through that? Do you think that Ed Orgeron, with his recruiting success, that's the only reason he has been a successful coach, is because he's had dudes, dudes on his rosters. Do you think he'd have any chance to get that done at Northwestern? As much as I really love and, and appreciate student news organizations and what they did in, in reporting through the Pat Fitzgerald uh, situation, the hazing scandal, this is just, that was, that was foolish. Why, like, why are we even giving air to that?
4: Yeah, is Urban Meyer available? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, that's tough. I, Urban? Also, I can't Where's see Urban? Coach O in Illinois. It just that feels like a weird fit for Coach O. Uh,
2: at Northwestern Higher Learning Institution. Coach O.
4: Yeah, <laughs> imagine him bringing. I
2: think he'd be a great. He'd be a great voice for all of those Northwestern fans and pressers, right? Wouldn't he? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. he, he just wants another buyout. <laughs>
4: Give him a job. That's all he wants. He just wants another buyout. He's going to do another yes. hazing scandal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's all he wants is just another buyout. Where's the door and what's the check? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Where, where's my buyout? Yeah. Where's, where's,
2: where's the buyout? Good old, well, go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. It doesn't even roll off the tongue the right way. Now, um, is it ever too early for some Lonardi bracketology, Connor? Absolutely not. Never too early. So let's get into it. Joe Lenardi put out his insanely, insanely early first bracketology of the year, uh, or of the season, even though it's not the season yet. Memphis is a 9 seed, trending up with their additions of Jordan Brown and potential uh, addition of Javon Quinterly and DeAndre Williams. They've trended up there in the East Regional right now. Maryland versus Memphis, 8-9 game. Here's the thing. I don't think, if they had Javon Quinterly and if DeAndre Williams gets another year of eligibility, I don't think that should be the stop of the upward trajectory.
4: No, not if, at all. If,
2: if that all comes together and you have a starting lineup of Javon Quinterly, Caleb, Mills, we talked about like the, the scenario, uh, Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, David Jones, Jordan Brown, and DeAndre Williams, I, I, I think, generally speaking, with the experience and talent you have on that roster, that could be the highest seed that we've seen at Memphis in a long, long time, certainly in the Penny Hardaway era. Like, I, I think that would be sort of floor, floor eight, nine seed, very floor of what that team could accomplish. And then you talk about what they would have coming off the bench and um, Jalen Young, Jonathan Pierre, uh, Nick Jourdain, TFAL Leonard, Jaden Hardaway. I mean, if, if all of this comes together, this team could be upwards of a 6 five, 4 seed, potentially, depending on what they do in conference. Now, he does have two AAC teams in conference. You can guess the other team right now. That will be Florida Atlantic. He has Florida Atlantic all the way up as a 4 seed against James Madison in that East Regional as well. I, I am in a weird spot on Florida Atlantic. Obviously, moving up a, a slight level in competition, I'd say, from where they were at in the Conference USA, and they're going to be playing some of the same teams, and you add Memphis to that to that equation, I, I I don't know. I mean, they lost, what, two games in the regular season? That's going to be really hard to replicate, and I feel like there's a lot of people around the country, and I know they got John L. Davis and Elijah Martin back. They still have Vlad Golden. They have basically the whole team coming back. I still have a hard time believing they can replicate that for another season and put themselves at a four seed if last year they were 35-2 and two or whatever in the regular season and were still in the 8-9 game.
4: Yeah, I think – when people think of FAU right now, they're thinking about the run that they just made and how magical it was, and that's going to be the top-of-mind thought. So I understand why he has them at a four right now, but I would be very surprised if they ended up at a four. It'd be great for them. It'd be a, you know, a success story. I think story they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be very and, and, and good. If, I think if they'll you've be been paying
2: attention, too, Dusty May's doing good things on the on the uh, right. recruiting trail. I don't know how long he'll keep that FAU job. We know he got re-upped for really good money, and they want to try to keep him at Florida Atlantic. But it's, it's just hard for me to believe that a replicated season is on the way. I mean, to be a four seed out of the AAC, you're, you'd probably have to replicate 35 and two again or whatever, the t- two, two losses in the regular season, winning your, uh, winning your conference tournament. And I, don't, I, I mean, I still think, I'm not saying it's an uphill battle. They'd still be the favorite for those things. But I still think that's going to be an uphill battle to be able to re- replicate that. That is hard to do year in, year out. And now that they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore.
4: Right, that's a, that's a big thing. That's
2: the bigger, that's the bigger part. This is, it's different when you have a target on your back. Mm-hmm. It's different when every single time you come into town, that's somebody's biggest game. That's what it's going to be in the AAC for Florida Atlantic, believe it or not. I know it's a, they, they do not have some basketball history that we, that's worth noting, but last year told us that they have the capability of making a deep run in the tournament. They have experienced, talented players. They're very guard-centric. People know what's coming at them now, and I think that's going to be the hardest hardest hurdle to overcome for them to get to like a four seed, a top four seed.
4: I think that's a fair assessment for sure. It's, it's just as a somebody that roots for Memphis, it would be nice to get out of the eight nine game. That I, if
2: everything comes together, I don't see why they would not get out of that eight nine game. Like I, I I'm serious, and considering the out of conference schedule, if they're able to get all those guys on campus and you have a game against Mizzou, and you have a game against Ole Miss who will be improved, VCU, A&M, Clemson, Virginia, Vandy. If you fare well like you did last year in those SEC games, in those power games, I mean, damn, your resume could be built up before you even get into conference play. And I think even regardless, you know, Regardless of who's on campus, I think this this Memphis team, just as currently constructed, without the Javon Quinterly and DeAndre Williams addition, I think that they would fare very well in conference. I think that's fair to say. I think so, too. So I, I think this, if everything goes right, this trending up to a nine seed, I think it'll trend up even higher than that when we talk about bracketology in the preseason. But um, I do. I know you say it's never too early for
4: bracketology. I think it's too early for yeah, just I love that the, most teams aren't even complete, and he's like, I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah, why not? We still have people on the transfer portal that are looking for homes. You
2: don't know where people are landing, and we're still putting it out. But you know what? That's what Joe Leonardi's here for, brother. Yeah, what else is he doing? Yeah, yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does is puts his right up. Uh, one other interesting part, he has uh, St. John's in year one with Rick Pitino as his first team out. So I guess he thinks somewhat highly of them coming off a year with Mike Anderson, but he doesn't think highly of uh, highly enough of them to get into the field. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Now, we have small talk on the way, and I have to give you an unfortunate update about the Writers Guild Association of America and how that is going with the uh, with their strike. Spoiler alert, not going well. Do that on the other side.
1: Gabe Kinnitch on 92.9 FM ESPN. And small talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show. So
2: it's been some months since I told you about the strike with the Writers Guild of America and they're striking against the studios and the streamers because they're not paying them fair wages. Also, they would not grant them protections against artificial intelligence, which could write scripts for the studios without even paying human labor. Now, there is an update via Deadline. Um, and studios and streamers reportedly have no intentions of negotiating with the Writers Guild for several more months. And there is one studio executive who was quoted anonymously. I hate anonymous quotes. I think most people hate anonymous quotes, but he told Deadline, quote, the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. Studios are nasty. But what I will say <laughs> is if you're trying to wait until they lose their houses and can't eat meals, they've been eating prison meals you know, uh, in, in, in a, in an apartment with four other writers for a long time. Now, I wonder how long they can, uh, they can deal with that. They haven't been getting paid living wages for a while. So like I, I I they've been eating these prison meals, them ramen noodles for a long time. It might be a long waiting
4: game. One of my favorite tweets I saw in reaction to this was someone said that this is. It feels like America going into North Vietnam, the <laughs> Vietnam War. Like they're going to show up and they're just they don't understand the fight that they're about yeah. to get into, like guerrilla warfare. And the writers are like, "Let's do this." <laughs> I haven't been eating for years. <laughs> like those writers are. How fueled, much do they think that the writers get paid? They don't get those residuals ri- anymore. Those really? Those writers
2: are fueled by ramen noodles and cigarettes. We don't have chef
4: boyardee, baby.
2: We don't have to fool ourselves. I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch this. The fact that they haven't negotiated, and we're we, we're months out. It's Several ridiculous. months out, there's been no negotiations at all. The greed is disgusting.
4: You well, pay of your course,
2: writers. but this is this is uh, the people that run these studios. Good lord, man, they're heinous. <laughs>
4: They're oh, anus. they're monsters. It's, yeah, it's what do y'all do? It.
2: It, it's, they don't give a damn.
4: Well, they don't understand that they would not be where they are unless it... Uh, they're there because of the writers, because of the creators, because of these people. And what's strange, me Just to, go look at the movies what, and the shows that came out during the last writer's strike. They're terrible! What's what's strange to me is,
2: like, just thinking about it just from a, from a on, a on a surface level, like... Why is it that big of a deal to pay them a little more money? They've already been paid like garbage for years. You just don't want to cough up a couple more pennies for these third and fourth writers on these shows? Like, what, what are we doing? In the end of the day, they've been making
4: crumbs for a long time, and they've stat idly, sat idly by and let it be. Go look at the Emmy nominations. Tell me one of those shows that could have been made without writers.
2: I mean, Succession, The Bear, Beef, White Lotus, Last of Us, nobody, none of
4: them. What do people say about those shows? What's the best part about those shows?
2: The sort of human element and emotions. The writing. That's the truth of it. It's and the, the writing. writing. But but point being, like, you have to read through it to get the human element and emotions in the writing, right? Artificial intelligence can't do that.
4: Remember that uh, X-Men Wolverine Origins movie that came out that was just absolute dog-ass? Yes, yes. That came out during the last Rider Strike. Of
2: course, of
4: course. That's it, the quality you would get.
2: And I wonder, like... What's the hold going to be on these new shows releasing and everything else? Once we, it's like ugly. next year is going to be ugly. Yeah, from a TV show perspective, well, and, that, and, that depresses me. Being a, I, I watch way too much TV to admit.
4: Well, and just from a movie standpoint too, like 2023 has the potential to be a, you know, an extremely memorable movie year, and it will fall off a cliff.
2: Yes, if by the end of the year, if they don't start negotiating, he's nothing's the in table, production. A lot, but, yeah, a lot
4: nothing, of nothing's in production, so the first part of 2024 will be brutal. It's going to be awful. I mean, Deadpool three is trying to be in production right now, but if the writer or if the actors go on strike as well, then that's going to have to get shut down too. You know what I mean? The, the reason that we're getting all these movies now is that there was a bank of them from COVID and movies getting pushed back and all of these things. That's why we got two Wes Anderson movies yeah. in a row. That's why we got two Tom Cruise movies in a row, like things like that. It was once it was, that yeah. runs out. Then they're, the, the content's going to dry up. Yeah. the content's going to dry
2: up, and everything's going to tank. I, that's the truth of it. Now you did bring up the Emmys: Succession, The Bear, Beef, White Lotus, Last of Us. That's going to be a, and that's basically all every major category, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be that's going to be a damn beef kind of. I've seen Beef. that That's beef the one that stands. It's good, but it's the ones. that, I mean, compared to Succession, The Bear, White Lotus, Last of Us, I don't know if it measures up in my opinion. It,
4: it, it could do relatively well, but that's going to be a, it's going to be knock them down, drag them out. It feels like a Succession sweep is coming, though. Usually when TV shows like Succession get their final season, they absolutely clean up at the awards Why ceremonies.
2: The, and also Succession aged so well, because once Succession ended, we were on to damn the idol. Yeah, it's just aging so yeah, well. It's like
4: one of my buddies watched Mission Impossible 3 after you watched Mission Impossible 2, and he thought Mission Impossible 3 was the greatest movie ever made because Mission Impossible 2 is awful. Speaking of, I have confirmed I will be seeing Mission Impossible tomorrow. Not tonight, though. Obviously. Not tonight. Yeah, Can't yeah. see it Celtic. tonight. Celtic. Celtic. Yes. And you won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> I will not. I'm sorry. You're 0 for 3 I'm on so. things that you told me you were coming to. I,
2: I didn't say I was coming to this one. You're 0 for fair. 3. 0 for 3. You're right. You're right. I'll make it 1 for 4. Next time, <laughs> next time, next time, I guarantee my presence. I'll be one for four. Um, now, Jason Munns wrote a really good write-up about DeAndre Williams and his quest to go find another year of eligibility. Um, we'll talk to him about that and more Tiger basketball news next, right here on the Gabe
1: Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN, WMFS FM, and HD one Bartlett, WMFS Memphis, celebrating a
0: legacy of sports.